for the quitters. Game quitters. Listen up, quitters. Game quitters. It's the Game Quitters Podcast with Cam Adair and Jason Wellwood. On today's show, we prove that miracles can happen. Just ask our guest, Brianna Greenspan. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, episode 18 of the Game Quitters Podcast. Good day to you, Game Quitters. Jason Wellwood here for another episode of the Game Quitters Podcast. I just wanted to give a quick, brief introduction to this episode before we get started here. Cam's going to bring on his good friend, Brianna, to come and talk about all things passion, all things motivation, and really creating miracles in your life to live the life you want to live. A fantastic talk coming up today, so stick around for that. It's up in just a couple of minutes. But there's something I wanted to touch on that has been on my mind lately, and, well, it's kind of tying into what we'll be talking about today as well. And that is the topic of gaming being a choice. Game addiction, more, more like it being a choice. And what I mean by that is sometimes people think of addiction as being this thing that just happens to us. It's bound to happen, and when it happens, it's not our fault. It just happened to us, and now we're stuck in this thing. Can we get out? Well, that's really up to you. But the thing is, if you don't think of it as a choice, you may never get out of it. Gaming is a choice. I want you to remember that. If you're struggling through this, if you're having trouble, if gaming is causing a void in your life, preventing you from living the things you want to live in your life and doing the things you want to do, remember, it is up to you how you interpret that. And what I mean when I say gaming is a choice, what does that mean? Well, think of it like this. The addiction, you brought it on to yourself. And I'm not saying that to be judgmental or point the finger or place blame. Not at all. We've all had points in our life where gaming was a problem. Otherwise, I honestly, I don't believe we'd be here together and you wouldn't be here listening right now. So there is a degree of responsibility we all have to accept. That was true for me. That was true for Cam. It may even be true for you. Nobody forced you to play games. You decided to do that, and probably for good reason when you started. They were enticing. They were fun, exciting. They gave you challenge, but maybe it turned into something of a problem. So remember that. Gaming addiction is a choice. It's a choice you made. And even though that choice may seem so far off and distant, it might seem like a completely different person who made that choice to bring this thing into your life. It was still your choice because you've been that person your whole life. So what I'm trying to say here is that because it's a choice, that actually empowers you. Don't think of it as a permanent disability. Think of it more like, you know, maybe the first time you broke your arm when you were a kid. You know, or maybe you knew someone in your class when you were a kid. They had a broken arm. Everyone wanted to come and sign the cast. You know how it was. Maybe you were that kid. Well, the arm didn't stay broken. Eventually, it healed. Eventually, things got better. And before you knew it, you were using it again, climbing the monkey bars and running around and getting into trouble. But for a time, you were injured. Well, the choice you made to bring gaming into your life may have eventually grew into an addiction. And just think of the point you're at now as a broken arm. If you're struggling with the addiction, it doesn't mean you can't heal the arm. You can make the choice to rest up, live healthier, and eventually heal that broken bone. It's the same with gaming addiction. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take time. It's going to take energy. But you can do it. Because you can choose, just like you chose to bring games into your life, you can choose to spend less time on them. I just want you to remember that. And one more thing before we get to the interview. At the end of the interview, Cam and Brianna here were talking a bit about what is your bucket list item? They asked that question. And in fact, you'll hear it at the end of the episode today. Cam will ask you again, what is your bucket list item? Reach out to me. Let me know. The reason I want to bring that up is because I believe it ties into the choice to move out from a life of excessive gaming. What I mean by that is when you make that choice to change, I believe that choice should come with a goal, something you have in mind. 
And when Cam said, what is your bucket list item? For example, Cam's going to Burning Man. In a week, he's going, he's off, he's going to have a blast out there. But that was his choice to do that instead of stay home and play games. What's your bucket list item? What's that thing you've always wanted to do that if you're going to make the choice to stop gaming, you can put into this empty space it's going to create and achieve? What's that one thing you've always wanted to do? Throughout the course of this episode, I want you to keep that in your mind as we go through the discussion. You're going to hear some things here that might get you thinking about, hmm, what would I have liked to do? And I can hear that people like Brianna have done the things that she's wanted to do her whole life. How come I can't do that? What is that thing for me? Start thinking about it, and hopefully by the end of the episode, you'll have an idea of something you'd like to get on top of, something you'd like to experience. Remember, gaming's a choice. Game addiction is a choice. You made the choice to start gaming. Make the choice to stop. Enjoy the interview. We'll catch you next week. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this episode of the Game Queers Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Adair, here with my good friend, Brianna Greenspan. What's up, Cam? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm really excited to be here with you. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a minute. And just to give people a little bit of background, Brianna is a really good friend who is quite a mystery character. She likes to stay behind the scenes. So for us to be able to get her on here to share her story is actually something that uh, does not happen that often, but it should happen more often. So I'm hoping to ignite that flame within her through this podcast. But Brianna does a bunch of things. Uh, she, you know, She was involved with the Miracle Morning. She has personal experience as a family member of someone who struggles with this issue. And, and so she, I know she'll speak a lot to just that experience and, and what, you know, living with someone who is struggling you know, what the impact is on her, not only just on her family, but on herself. And I know that she has a lot of love for this community. So, Brianna, super happy for you to be here with us. Uh, thanks for the kind words, Cam. So how would, how would you describe yourself other than what I just said? An adventurer, a free spirit, um, a coloring book author. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot. I am a behind-the-scenes girl. I do a lot of different things. I wear a lot of different hats. It depends on which community I'm talking to. Um, it, my intro kind of shifts. So you're someone who, before we dive into kind of everything else, I think the most important thing to kind of mention about you is, is that you're someone who inspires me a lot when it comes to overcoming adversity. And, you know, I have a mentor named Kara who has HIBM, which is a condition where, you know, slowly she's kind of losing the ability to use her muscles. And... Living with her for a month and experiencing what life is like for her having a physical kind of disability, whereas for me, I struggle a lot more with mental health, it was really interesting. And I know for you, you've gone through like some seriously immense challenges throughout your life. So bring us back to kind of where that all started and tell us a bit about kind of what you've had to deal with throughout throughout your life. Hmm. Um, all right. This is like a story I don't really normally get into, um, but for you, I will share a little bit about my past. And um, I was born with a connective tissue disorder. It's called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, it causes widespread pain and um, joint challenges and a variety of other challenges. And so my entire life has been um, a series of figuring out how I can walk, talk, see, hear, and breathe all at the same time, um, which is an interesting balancing act. And um, I've lost the ability to walk. I've had neck braces, back braces, surgeries. Um, The first 19 years of my life were exceptionally different than the last 10 years of my life. Um, I had to relearn to walk again after a failed surgery when I was 19. And that kind of sparked this curiosity in me to find things outside of Western medicine and the things the doctors had said would be my future, which was like Oxycontin in a wheelchair and a bunch of different surgeries after surgeries and therapies. And um, I didn't really want that life. And so I um, took a different path and that led me to where I am now. I remember when we first met, there were two things that you kind of said to me that kind of blew me away and really just hit home. And, and the first was about using a wheelchair at the airport. 
because you fly around a lot, you move around, but hanging out with you, like, you know, at least when we were hanging out, you were able to kind of walk and stuff like that. I was really strong when we hung out. Um, I've been very strong for the last 10 years for the most part. Um, but I do have challenges on and off every day and every day is a little bit different. I honestly don't remember what I said to you about a wheelchair, but I'm excited to hear the story from your end, actually. Well, the other thing that you said that really hit home was that, you know, most days when you wake up, you're not really sure what condition you're going to be in. And just the presence that you have to have with yourself and, and the realness of that, right? Because, you know, for a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, we all experience adversity, we all go through stuff in life. We, we all have challenges and stress and anxieties and all of that. But there's a difference when it's like you literally could wake up in the morning and not be able to walk. Or you could wake up in the morning and, you know, take a long time to be able to get up. And, you know, that uncertainty of, of how you will feel in that moment, you know, is, takes a toll, I imagine. And the thing that is really interesting to me is how you went through that at such a young age and how it would have been really easy for you to just fall victim to it and just accept it and be like, okay, this is going to be my life and, you know, poor me and, and feel sorry for yourself and all of that. Right. And, you know, that is what happened. Truthfully, that is part of the story. Like that was the first 19 years of my life. And so I felt I was a victim. I was digitally addicted and as a way to escape the pain. I thought this was the only life that I would ever live. Life totally sucked, and I was um, not living um, each day to its fullest. And I, the, the variable of like what would happen next was really um, caused a lot of mental challenges for me as well because like I never really knew what was coming, and so I was. I, I really had a lot of things going on and it was making the shift to really decide that that didn't have to be my past didn't need to dictate my future that changed everything. And so I, I don't want to like discredit that, like I say that I was always this way. So that's definitely not the case. How did you come to that moment though, where you, you realized that you had an ounce of control over the way that you responded to it? Oh, that's, it's actually a story. Um, a friend of mine passed away from prescription medication overdose the same day the doctors told me that I would never walk again and, um, said that they could give me Oxycontin in a wheelchair to make me feel better while they found options for how I could become stronger. And that rocked my world. That was the first time that I ever thought that these medications could possibly harm me as well. Um, if if I had, if, if anything, if I abused them or I, I don't even know. And so that um, was the catalyst for me searching for new options. Um, and my parents found a therapy program. Um, it's like 378 hours. And it was nine hours a day, every day for six weeks. Um, and I couldn't walk when I started it. And I had a really, really bad attitude. And I didn't really think that it would work. And I was really, really unkind to the person, the therapist that I was working with. And after a few days, I, I, could, um, I could see the physical shift that was happening. And it started to open up the possibility for me to have a mental shift that maybe I could have a different life. And then that immediately changed my attitude. And I was like, what could I do if I worked harder? Could I walk more? Could I like each day the goal was to take a step. And like, if I could take one step one day then I wanted to take two steps the next. And it was, um, it was a little process, but over a few weeks I had a complete mental and physical shift. And so you think that having that perspective of what was possible was what kind of opened your, your eyes to like what could really be possible if you really dedicated yourself to it? Absolutely. I went from a state of hopelessness to a state of hopefulness. Um, and I actually 
really stepped away from the lifestyle that came with illness, which was a digital addiction for me. Um, I spent a lot of time in bed. I spent a lot of time feeling sick. And that left me um, with a lot of screens all around me. Um, and that didn't really serve my highest good. And so as I was starting to feel better, um, I started doing all the things that I hadn't opened myself up to experiencing. And now I'm constantly outdoors or constantly doing all these different uh, adventures, traveling, going to concerts, uh, exploring, doing all kinds of stuff. And um, that really was the opposite of the lifestyle I used to live. Yeah, I, I can't, for everyone listening, you know, a big reason why we recommend the 90-day detox is because it gives you a, a reference point in your life of what life is like without gaming. And up until now, if you've never, you know, for most of you, you've been gaming your entire life. And if you've never experienced what life is like without gaming, then it's really hard to make that choice to make a shift because that's truly to make a decision to step into the unknown. But when you experience what life is like without gaming for a period of time, maybe it's a week, maybe it's 90 days is, you know, obviously what, what I personally recommend. Now you're able to, to look at your life and say, okay, we have two choices. I can continue my life, you know, the same way I was. I was gaming and these were the results. Or I can feel how I was feeling when I wasn't gaming. And, you know, for most of you, and, you know, we've seen this in the research we've done, you tend to feel a lot better, right? And even for me, I just came to this point in my life where, you know, I was really looking at what my relationship to pot and marijuana is. And Brianna and I have definitely talked a lot about this personally, you know, amongst ourselves. And, you know, one of the biggest shifts that happened for me recently was really looking at what were the periods of my life where I was smoking a lot and how did I feel physically, how did I feel mentally, you know, what was the condition, you know, quality of my life versus, you know, times where I wasn't. And there were kind of three main periods, you know, this year when I lived in L.A. and when I moved to Boulder, Colorado, where, you know, I spent like, you know, let's say a six-month period really smoking a lot. And looking at the patterns amongst those three instances was really enlightening. And it really made me realize, like, wow, actually maybe smoking pot all day long isn't such a good thing. And although, you know, I've maybe it helps with anxiety or I don't feel so depressed or, you know, I'm able to be creative or whatever. I'm maybe more social. There's a lot of other consequences to it too. And I could see those in those patterns. And so just, you know, learning through contrast and trying to find those reference points in your life. And if you're unsure about something or you're unsure about quitting gaming, you know, trying to find or creating an opportunity where you get to experience what life is like without it that gives you now leverage and power to be able to make a different decision if you want to, right? And it sounds like for you that was a really powerful experience. It was the most powerful experience that I've ever had. Um, I, I There are a lot of parts that I left out of that story, but um, this therapist wouldn't let me um, smoke any marijuana or use any cannabis at all or any prescription medications during this therapy uh during the course of this therapy. Um, and it ended up being one of the best experiences because it gave me clarity and it pushed me in ways that I had never been pushed before. And it, I could tell as it was happening that it was the catalyst for me becoming the best version of myself and that it was, it was something that I'd never explored because it was so easy for me to, um, have the excuse of feeling sick or have the excuse of like, it's kind of hard to explain, but there's, there's like a cycle of illness and, um, programs like programs, like, what is the name of your program? Respawn? Yeah. Respawn, the 90 day detox. <laughs> I was going to say programs like this 90 day detox programs like Respawn are so legit. Like detox programs are really where it's at if you really need to make a jump start in your life. It's not like a one or two day thing and they're going to have this miraculous change. Like you didn't get to where you're at um, in a day or a week. And so it's not going to take a day or a week to make a momentous change. However, like the changes that we make in our life are dictated by the choices that we that 
that we make. And it's so important to engage in programs that can help us be our best selves. And so I was really excited to meet you because um, I was literally obsessed with this program when I heard about it. Um, there's this whole other side of me growing up sick. I was surrounded by screens, but separately, my brother um, had a video game addiction. Um, I don't even know how to phrase that exactly. He really likes video games. And it got so bad in college that he went to rehab for it. Um, he's now a comp he's the head of an IT uh, department at a company, but he still games a lot. And um, it's really disappointing for our whole family just because um, he gives up a lot of time that he could dedicate to doing other things and he hasn't been able to experience a lot of the beautiful things that we've experienced like the traveling and the adventures and the relationships and um, all of these aspects of life that really help you come alive because he'd rather be gaming and I understand that that's just something that he likes to do but it's caused a lot of challenges for our relationship and for the family dynamic. And so when I met you, I, I, I immediately understood that your detox program was similar to the detox program that I went through in that it could be a catalyst for people that were going through a very specific thing. And I'd never seen it or heard of anything like it. So thank you for what you do, Cam. Really, <laughs> it's like a special place in my heart. <laughs> yeah, we definitely share a, a special relationship, obviously, because of that, but, you know, amongst other things. And you mentioned the power of choices, and ultimately you made the powerful choice to go from I'm not going to be a victim to I'm actually going to live my life and take responsibility for it. And it would have been really easy for you to just live in apathy and be like, well, oh, whatever, like who fucking cares, right? But I once asked you, and, and I'll get to that in a second, but I once asked you, how do you teach ambition? Right? Or, or how do you not just fall into apathy? Because I feel like so many people in our community really struggle with this idea of like, well, life is meaningless anyways, so who really cares, right? And I'm not really ambitious and I don't really have any goals or dreams or I don't really care. And for me, I feel like ambition or desire to improve or, or desire to achieve is, is like innate in me, it's just natural. It's, it's like almost impossible for me to not do that. And there, there obviously was a very long period of my life where I didn't care, but that was really just from, I actually cared deep down, but I was just masking it. And so how do you kind of overcome apathy and, and how was it that you were able to, to not fall victim to that? Well, after I went through this therapy program, I ended up meeting um, a guy named Hal Elrod, and he taught me about his program called The Miracle Morning, and it became the way that I consistently don't fall into apathy, because it's falling into apathy is not something that just, like, is there or isn't. It, that, that's like an ebb and flow for a lot of people. And you need things consistently in your life that are going to help you each day to remember um, the things that matter. And so I um, like the first suggestion is to use a five minute journal. That's the one thing that I do if, if I don't do anything else that really helps me. And it just has a few questions like today I am grateful for um, three things that would make today great and a daily affirmation. And it makes you think like, what are you gonna accomplish in that day? And maybe that's like going to the park or seeing the sunset or calling your mom, but it doesn't really matter what those things are. They could be ambitious or they could be things that you've just decided you're going to prioritize. But like making sure that you're prioritizing something um, really is, is the first step. There are others. I could get into the Merrick Morning if you want. Yeah, people will be be somewhat, most people listening to this will be somewhat familiar with it because I basically promote Miracle Morning at every turn, <laughs> similar to, I think, how you promote Game Quarters at every turn. I love uh, that. Miracle Morning is the best. Like, I don't know if you guys really um, 
understand the value of getting up in the morning and maximizing your day. Like you don't have to do exactly what Hal's program is, but getting up and doing some version of exercising, reading, writing, um, meditation, um, some kind of visualization, saying affirmations, these things are proven to help you become your best self. So if you're apathetic, if you don't really like know what what you want to do with your life, if you're struggling mentally, physically, if you're struggling with like wanting to game all day because you don't really have anything else to do, do a miracle morning and then game. Or like do a miracle morning and you'll probably figure out exactly what you want to be doing and how you can live on purpose because it really opens the doors for you to do so many things with your life. And the reason it, it helps so much is, is because it's structured. And when you quit gaming or quit any addiction, the level of competency that you need the next day is extremely high, right? Like essentially you're, you're like, okay, I'm starting this brand new chapter of my life and I need to be very good at it because otherwise I will fall back and give in the cravings and relapse and go into that cycle. But yet where you currently are is at the very beginning of your journey. So structure is the solution to that. When you have structure, that allows you to not have to, to rely so much on you making good decisions and instead you just follow the program, right? And so Miracle Morning or, or starting your morning with structure is a great way to start building momentum to be able to actually be a bit productive, do some things that, you know, like you said, are scientifically proven to make you feel better. And automatically, first thing in the morning, you're like, wow, I've actually accomplished something today. Now, regardless of what happens after that, I've already done something. I've already had a win this morning. And that almost like, at least in my experience, allows you to have a bit of a break. And, and I mean a break in a sense that like you've already accomplished something. So anything else beyond that is like a bonus. It's extra. It's... Um, You've already won. So now, like, you can do everything else without this impending shit. At some point today, I actually have to do these things I said I was going to do. Right? It's, it's why, you know, for productivity, doing the, the most important thing you need to do first thing in the morning works so well. Because then it's done, and then it's like the amount of stress that you experience the rest of the day, hoping that you finish that task that you're supposed to do, is gone. And it just allows you to be in more flow. And so... Miracle Morning is, is, is a really great way to just have more structure. Structure is really, really good, especially if you're at the beginning of your journey or if you just don't want to have to rely on motivation or discipline or commitment or your mood or how you're feeling or you know any of that and instead just follow the program. It's scientifically proven to work. And if you do it, you'll feel better. Feeling good feels good. And that builds momentum into the rest of your day. I loved all of that. You can't, I can't even express how big my smile is right now. Structure and routine are so important when you're jumpstarting your future. Like Otherwise, you just fall back into the same unhealthy habits because you don't have anything else to do. So that's why structure is so great. So are there any other structures or, or disciplines or habits that you really believe in? No. <laughs> just miracle morning. <laughs> miracle morning and that's it. I've been doing the Miracle Morning for 10 years. I'm really into it. I published a coloring book with Hal. I've literally told every person that I know about it. I've done it almost um, on and off almost every day for the last 10 years. Tell us about the coloring book. It's so cute. Um, I, I realized that people really have so much negativity going, going on all around them with advertising and media and all the different things that we have. Uh, subliminally around us and I wanted to create something that could positively influence your environment and so I created a positive affirmations coloring book that people can use to add to their vision board or create a vision board um, and the idea is that you like color these pages and then take them out of the coloring book and frame them and put them in your in your environment as a way to elevate your environment you need to read or say something 10,000 times in order for it to seep into your subconscious. And so I figured if you had these affirmations in your environment, like if you put them up in your locker, on your desk, like on your mirror, 
um, on your wall, then you'd be able to see them all the time. Um, and I have a whole program with kids um, that they read them with their parents every day. The whole book teaches you how to create a structured morning routine as a family. Um, I don't know if your audience has kids, but um, creating a morning routine for yourself is really, really key for your success. Creating morning routine for the people that you live with, ideally your partner and your children, um, is is really the the way to have the most successful family dynamic possible. And this coloring book is a way to do that. So, and coloring is a really great way to deal with cravings, actually. So. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about different ideas of how to implement that, but for anyone who is interested in trying that out and, you know, especially for dealing with cravings, check the show notes on gamequeers.com and I'll have all the links to the coloring book and Miracle Morning and everything else uh, for you to check out. But I definitely, I, I know that you've been trying to get me to do it for quite a while and I'm slowly inching my way there. Uh, but <laughs> I sure you'll make a vision board and you'll color a few affirmations and you'll really like it. it it's going to happen one day. Um, Maybe with Teresa will be there and how it'll be a little party. What allows you to be a producer and not a consumer? Because you're someone who, you know, Miracle Morning, the book, Miracle Morning, family edition, Miracle Morning, coloring book, you know, you're a speaker, you do all these different things. You know, so what allows you to like actually take action and be a producer and, and not just sit around and consume? <laughs> you know, when I reflect on my life, I recognize that the first 19 years I was really a consumer. And I have been working diligently for the last 10 years day in and day out to be a producer. And I think I'm never going to get caught up, but I'm trying really hard. It, um, the fact that I lost a lot of time where I could have been adding so much value to, to myself and those around me, um, because I was just like literally laying in bed watching a movie. Um, <laughs> it, it makes me, um, want to do everything want to experience all the experiences and help people live out their dreams. And so I have my hands in a lot of different things because I really believe in a lot of things. I, I surround myself in environments where I can be passionate about almost everything I hear about because I'm constantly hearing someone's amazing idea, someone's project, someone's thing that I want to support and get behind. And so I do. And then that just like fuels me to do more things. I don't know. I, like, if I have a connection to something, it feels it even more. Like, I was at my bandwidth, and then I met you. And if I'd never met anyone who had a connection to video game addiction like, like you did, so I immediately wanted to get behind supporting you. And then I created the bandwidth to do that. And, you know, I meet all these amazing people each day. But um, the bandwidth to support them just grows as I... I feel the need to um, to help them make their dreams come true. I don't know. And I know one thing you do is you support a lot of kids who have chronic illness. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I, that's another facet of me. I, I coach kids with terminal illnesses and teens and young adults, et cetera, um, and really coach people on how they can live their best self. Like, yeah, everybody has challenges. Some people have physical challenges. Some people have mental challenges. A lot of people have addictions. A lot of people have situations going on that cause hardship. However, you ha you owe it to yourselves to do the things that light you up. And so I help people figure out what lights them up and, and help them figure out how they can incorporate that into their lives within the parameters of whatever they're going through. So that's what, just something I do. What's the biggest challenge for you helping these kids with terminal illnesses? The fact that there's no script. Every kid's different. And every kid's situation is more challenging than, than the next. And it's something new. And um, you never really know how you're going to impact someone. And so I tried my best to, to really be there for them in whatever ways that they need me most. Um, but it's it's so difficult. It's emotionally taxing. Um, but I feel like it's necessary because I show up for people that 
are going through or have gone, yeah, are going through what I went through. And I didn't really have anyone who was there to support me. And now I feel like if I have the option to support someone who would otherwise not have any support, like it's totally something that I should do. And so I do. So there's a lot of people listening to this who are more or less open to the fact that, you know, maybe they struggle with gaming, they struggle with technology, and, and they're probably, you know, if they're listening to this, they're a part of the community in some way. They're on the forums, they're on Reddit, you know, watching YouTube videos, they're doing something. A lot of them probably aren't talking to their family about it. They're probably not being super open with their family or, or friends and, and really kind of being vulnerable in that way. And so as someone who, you know, you've shared with your brother, right? Like your brother is someone who, you know, games a lot and it's something that has an impact on you and your family. Like what do you want to encourage people listening to this who, you know, maybe aren't being open with their family or aren't talking to their family about it? Like what would you say to them? <sighs> I'd first say I'm just so proud of you that you're even at this point, that you're listening to this podcast. Way to go. And secondly, like it's it's so important to be open with those that love you about what you're going through. Like what's the reason why you're gaming? There's obviously a reason behind it. And like how can you get that same feeling from doing something else? And talking to people around you to to get them to be tied into your goals of like how you can maybe step away or how they can hold you accountable or like how they can be there for you in whatever way that you really need them. Um, but they don't even know how to be there for you if you don't talk to them. And so it's really um, challenging because a lot of the people that uh, love you would, would probably do anything for you. And if you expressed to how they could help you best, they would be, probably be really open to it. So just communicate how your loved ones can help. And if if you do and you don't always get like a response back that is super encouraging or, or you feel like they really understand, you know, don't be discouraged by that either. Come to the Game Quitters community. They'll all support you. <laughs> yeah, we definitely Oh my God, will. that's literally why you're there. Yeah, like it's, a, it's another family. That's part of the reason that I work with sick kids. They're like my family. People that, that are going through something very unique, those around them don't always understand. And so, like, my family and friends don't necessarily understand what I go through, but these little sick kids definitely understand what I'm going through. And we have our own community. And so the Game Quitters community is actually super important and a really great uh, stepping stone. Like, you could reach out for them for accountability or, you know, support in some way also if you don't get a great response from your family. I definitely agree. And something I do a lot is I lean on those around me who I have agreements with that, you know, I can be open with, right? And so, you know, even Brianna is an example where, you know, sometimes like, you know, we've both kind of done this, but, you know, shot you a text or, or gave you a call and been like, yo, I need to talk to someone, right? And and vice versa. And having the ability to be able to lean on people in your life and not feel ashamed about that and not feel like that's a weakness. It's actually a strength. Most people can't do it, so it's definitely not a weakness. It's a strength to be able to be courageous and ask for help. But leaning on those around you really does make a big difference, right? Because I know I've always kind of felt like I have to do everything myself. I have to go through this whole journey of life on my own, and that hasn't always worked out so well. And so now I try to do the opposite, right? I really try to lean on, on those around me. And, and, you know, one simple way is I just have conversations with them, and I just say, hey, like, you know, if you're ever kind of going through something and you want someone to talk to you, like, you know, reach out to me anytime. I'd be happy to listen. And usually they're like, yeah, and vice versa. But then actually take them up on it, right? Like next time you're going through something, like hit them up. And be like, hey, like, you know, I'm going through this thing and I'd love to just share. And, you know, you can even let them know what you want from them, whether it's you want advice or you just want to share, right? Like sometimes you just want to talk to someone. You don't, you don't even need advice, right? You're just looking for someone to listen who maybe isn't your parents, right? Maybe you feel more comfortable not talking to your parents about it. Maybe it's a forum, maybe it's someone else, but like actually leaning on those who are in your life for support really does make a big difference. And I think feeling shamed about that or feeling embarrassed is what really holds us back. But the question I always ask is like, how is that story or how is that belief really serving you? 
how is that serving me, right? By trying to do everything myself, what's that really about? It's just about ego. It's just about me trying to think that I have to be this person to be able to take care of everything in my life. And the truth is that no matter where you are in your life, you've had to lean on so many different people to get there. Whether it's teachers or your parents or family or friends or so many people have been able to be in your corner in so many different ways, we just don't always recognize it, right? And a lot of people want to help. So yeah, I just want to encourage everyone listening, you know, if you're going through something or you're going through something in the future, like it's okay to lean on people. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to have support. You don't have to do it alone. I completely agree. It's not just okay. It's encouraged. It really is a strength and it's so so necessary and beneficial like the times that i've had struggles that i've reached out to friends like you um they it's helped me tremendously with whatever i was going through and it helped me to not fall into this place that doesn't serve me um and so i i'd really recommend reaching out to your your community so you do an event called the best year ever what's what's that all about oh it's awesome that's Hal's event um it is a multi-day transformational event in November um, that helps you jumpstart your year. It's like a 400-person event in San Diego, and um, it really teaches people how they can connect with a group of like-minded individuals who are looking to have their best year ever, and then teaches you the tools to do that and then creates a system for you to hold yourselves accountable together. And it's just amazing. I've been for the past three years um, and I've loved seeing the growth that um, the people at the conference have had year in and year out. Like when we say we're going to do something, like we'll have a visualization and we'll come to this realization that in the next year we're going to accomplish something. Like one year I said, Oh, I'm going to publish a book. And then I published this awesome book and now I've published a few, but um, that was something that wasn't even on my radar before. And then the people in the best year group held me accountable. So whatever you're looking to do in the future, you could find a group of people that could really be your support system. Um, It's an amazing conference. I highly recommend it bestyeareverlive.com. I hope you're there, Cam. It's going to be great. That's where we met last year, but I wasn't at the conference. She was at an after party. Like, it was, yeah, I hope you come this year. That's how cool I am. You were cool. So the reason I I bring up that conference is because so many people listening to this, you know, struggle with, like, I'm quitting gaming, but I'm losing all my friends. Or, you know, I really want to pursue, you know, some different goals in my life, but, like, I don't have any friends to do it with. And, you know, obviously the, the forum is there and, and the community is here on Reddit and on Discord and, and everywhere. And there's a lot more people who, who would actually be friends with you than you think. But I personally really built my social circle by going to conferences and going to seminars and meeting. Like, because at a conference, the event is automatically filtered for like-minded people, right? Like, if you're at an event called Best Year Ever, you're probably not going to meet very many negative people at that event. You're probably going to meet a lot of people who really want to do something awesome with their life and they're looking to support other people to do it too, which is why they're there. They're not trying to do it by themselves. And so, you know, just anyone listening, you know, whether it's best year ever or it's a different event, you know, I can't recommend enough like actually getting out of the house and going to conferences and going to seminars and meeting other like-minded people, you know, even outside the game course community because that's how I've been able to meet people all over the world. And now, you know, whatever it is that I need support with or, or wherever I am, I tend to actually know quite a bit of people, right? I have a lot of different people who care and, and hold me accountable, right? Like if I was to be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, stop doing game quarters, Brianna would be on my ass, right? So, <laughs> oh, my like, God. Yeah, you, you really should open up your... Um, friend circle by going to conferences. It's the best thing that I ever did. Um, the conference world really opened my eyes to people that were like-minded that I could immediately connect with. It cut through the bullshit. Like I had real deep connections with a lot of people and now I'm so into it. I go to two or three conferences a year. Um, and my friends put on conferences. I'm putting on a conference next year in Chicago called the passion summit. I'm actually so excited about it. 
um, teaching people how to live life with passion and help others. But there's so many different conferences basically catered to any of your interests. So if you're interested in being a DJ, you're interested in self-improvement, you're interested in like, you know, whatever, um, there's a conference where you could find like-minded people. So what's next for you? Like, you've written all these books, you've published all these books, you're doing a conference next year. Like, what's the next kind of big goal or challenge that you're working on? I'm putting on a music festival. Um, and that's something I've never done before. Um, but I'm working with an amazing team. Um, it's called Tranquility Base. Um, and it's going to be outside of Chicago uh, next August. And um, I'm, I've just been on this kick to do all these things that I've never done before that I really believe in. And so a lot of them are just so interesting. I get myself into these scenarios that I never thought I'd be in. But, um, yeah, I love it. So I'm putting on a music festival uh, next August, and that's what's next. Like, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of other things behind the scenes. So what are some other things that, that you haven't done yet that, that you want to in the future? There's a lot more traveling that I'd like to do. Um, there's a lot more music that I'd like to explore. I'm recording a, oh, I'm recording a CD in two weeks. <laughs> um, I'm becoming a sound healer. I started uh, playing the drum a while back and I do these like beautiful meditation uh, sound sessions and um, so I'm recording an album uh, the first week of September and I'm super super excited about it um, I'm like there's so many different things I basically have a bucket list of tons of different things that I want to do. And then at the best year conference, I basically plug a lot of those things into my year and figure out how to make them happen. So I say like, I want to go on six camping trips and I want to go to 10 concerts and I want to you know, record an album and I want to close 10 deals and you know, whatever they are personally and professionally, I just like plug all these things in and then I just figure out how to make them happen. And so I'm just doing all these crazy things that I really love uh, that I've never done before um, or I've done a lot of. It's super fun. I love it. And for anyone listening, you know, what's one item on your bucket list? I want you to email me, cam at gamequiz.com, and let me know. And if you're looking for any of the links from anything we've mentioned, whether it's the books or the conferences, you can go to gamequiz.com and click on podcast and find the show notes. Um, we're going to wrap up here in a second. But the thing that inspires me about Brianna the most is that she doesn't let any adversity she faces hold her down. And instead, she uses, that, she uses it as a catalyst to grow and as a challenge to overcome it in a way to kind of find more uh, presence with her life. And whether it's with the bucket lists or just identifying, you know, what kind of brings her the most joy or, you know, ways that she can support kids or, you know, ways that she can give back. Uh, she's always doing all these different things. And, and I resonate a lot with that because I love to do a hundred different things too, whether it's, you know, game quitters or DJing or the humanitarian work in Tanzania or traveling. You know, I'm about to go to Burning Man next week and then I go to Portugal for like a month and I'm doing a speaking tour and then I'm going to go to Australia. And for me, it's like I... I just love to do so many different things that that's what keeps life exciting for me, right? And we all have to find that for ourselves, right? Whatever is exciting for you, that's cool. Like, I'm sure it's not gaming. I'm sure gaming was just something fun and stimulating, but there's so much more kind of depth that you can find in life when you remove yourself from the things that give you instant gratification. And, you know, I imagine with Brianna, you know, going to the 10 different concerts or camping trips, you know, having to actually go through the process of identifying them and planning them and, you know, all the stuff it takes to actually get there really brings out so much more kind of fulfillment from it. And, you know, I can just share, you know, Burning Man next week. I can't wait, but the last two weeks trying to get ready for Burning Man has been like an absolute challenge. I've been on the phone with like every insurance company on the planet. You can only imagine how much fun that is. 
But I also know that it's almost like Burning Man's allowing me to get the sense of challenge that I always seem to want out of my system before the actual festival so I can go and just have fun, right? But it's the journey to get there that's ultimately going to allow me to be there and be like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. And I did it. You know, I overcame all the obstacles that were thrown in my way, whether it was financially or, you know, insurance-wise or, or whatever else, right? And gaming really warps your mind to just want instant gratification, just want things now. And they can be stimulating, but they lack depth, right? When you don't actually have to work for it, when you don't actually have to kind of persevere, it stays very surface level. And that kind of shows up in every other area of your life. Your relationships are very surface level. Just the way that you feel about yourself is very surface level. And, you know, I'll give kind of Brianna the last word here, but I imagine that by going through all these experiences you have, you've really connected with yourself in a way that you never had before. That's exactly right. I allowed myself to really go through the things that I needed to go through, and they bring out a side of me that I'd never explored before, and it helps me become so much stronger. So I, I applaud you for the challenges that you're going through right now to get to Burning Man, and I hope that you have an amazing time there. And for everyone who's listening, I really hope that you guys figure out what's your burning man. What's the thing that you really want to do? Email Cam and figure out how you can achieve that bucket list item. Because it just starts with one thing. You don't have to do like 20 things or 100 things just because like we're all over the place. Like just do one thing. And like each of those things is like a domino and one thing leads to another. And so I hope you can find your burning man. Yeah, very well said. How can people connect with you? Um, you know the show notes. There's a bunch of different ways. The I'm show online. notes. <laughs> I'm, the show I'm notes. online. I'm around. And I can't recommend enough. Like you know, pick up one of her books, support her. You know, she does a lot of really good work in the world. And and one of the best ways that we can you know do good in the world is by supporting other people who are doing good in the world. And that's why I go to Tanzania and support my friends Alexi and Tanil with their foundation called Epic. You know, and, and even just, you know, purchasing someone's book or buying their CD, their mixtape coming out, whatever it is, you know, support people uh, that, that you know are doing good. So, yeah, go to gamequeers.com, click on podcast, you can find the show notes with all the links to everything, whether it's you want to connect with Brianna, you want to check out her books, her coloring books, her events, anything else. I can't recommend her enough. She's a really good friend of mine. I'm super thankful for you to be here and we'll definitely do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Have a beautiful night. See you guys. For full-length episodes of the Game Quitters podcast, be sure to check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash gamequitters. Or visit us online at www.gamequitters.com.